Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, I just wanted to start this episode off by being uh, sincere on Maine, if that's okay with you. Uh, it's not my usual approach, but this is the third episode of Joel We Book Club. And I just wanted to say... Thanks to everyone who's been listening and leaving feedback and getting in touch. Um, me and my producer Ross started this project a few months ago, and you know it was it was really fun. Uh, and I had no idea um, how people were going to take it, so it's been really heartening to see the feedback and and see people reading the books as well. It's been really cool. And some of you have even figured out how to leave comments on Spotify, which um, neither of us really knew was possible, but you managed it. So yeah, we, we were thinking about how to set up a sort of a feedback loop between me, your genius host, and you, uh, the Ormosh community. So the simplest way we thought to do that was just set up an email address. So yeah, if you if you have any like questions or you particularly disagree with a review, I mean I I won't I'll read that out and and, and take the piss out of it if you do do that. And also if you have any if you have any book recommendations, that'd be great. So yeah, you can just email me now at joel at tidypodcasts.co.uk. And as ever, if you want to buy any of the books recommended in this podcast, you can go to Awesome Books and use the code OUCHIWAWA, O-U-C-H-I-E-W-H-A-W-H-A, and that'll give you 10% off. All right. Hey, I'm Joel Gobby. This is my book club. Welcome to Joel Gobby's Book Club. I went to the pub yesterday uh, just because I had one of those. I had a depressing haircut, so I went and I had a pint. And the, the kid behind the bar was like trying to make small talk because it was so early in the pub, and like it was literally me and an old man there. So he was like, "Well, you know, split the difference. I'll talk to this guy." He was like, "What are you reading there?" Because he saw this thing poking out my pocket, and I was like, "Oh, it's Wells Tower. Like everything ravaged, everything burned." He was like never heard of him i was like yeah that's yeah it, that's kind of a problem because this came out in 2009 and it, i genuinely do think it's one of the best like 
short story collections of this like century. It's absolutely fantastic start to finish. And everyone I recommend this book to loves it. And he's done nothing. He's published nothing like book-wise since. And it's this huge shame because like Sally Rooney's entire career has like exploded in the time it's taken for Wells Tower to to not do a, a follow-up to this. And it's like you read this and you feel like he should be the biggest, most exciting writer on the planet. He should be releasing novels every three or four years and they should be like Franzen level hype. But it's not quite happened for him. And I, I think a couple of things happened. I think he went into uh, screenwriting and obviously screenwriting is a completely different kettle of minnows. And he had a few projects that just like never quite took off. I think he wrote something for Brad Pitt for HBO and something for Alec Baldwin and like neither of them got made. And there was a, a Netflix film that came out this year that he wrote that Netflix bought for $50 million. So hope that means that he has now a really nice house and a financial security for life and he can go back to writing like short stories and hopefully a novel because this guy is unbelievable he's he's so good at what he does in a handful of short stories so yeah should we get to it i guess Essentially, Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned is, I mean, that's named after the final story in the collection. And yeah, basically it's it's a simply immaculate collection of short stories. I don't think there's a single clunk in all of the night. It's crazy as well because he has the most author name possible, Wells Tower. Like you couldn't really be anything other than a an incredible short story writer if you called that. But yeah, once again, it's just one of those strange things where like, if this collection came out in like the late 60s to the early 80s, we would be talking about him like he was like a generational master of the form. And instead, he exists as a quite short Wikipedia page and this one like absolute gem of a book that uh, came out 14 years ago. So... I can't remember how I picked up this book. I think it was recommended to me a couple of times. And I was reading it on the plane home from my friend's wedding in Cyprus. I was particularly drunk for two straight days. So I was sort of having a hangover in the middle of the air. And I read the second story in this collection, which is called Retreat. It was just so good that there were four of us who'd all flown over. And I elbowed my mate, who was also sort of dipping in and out of an existential hangover. And I was like, read that. It's amazing. And he flicked through it and was like, that's sick. And we just sort of passed it down the line of the aeroplane until everyone had read it. And it's about two brothers who are in their early 40s. There's two recurring features to Wells Tower's characters. One of them is he's very good at writing children who get envious when other children have attention <laughs> in on the show there's two children at the start one's a very handsome boy who adults always remark on how pretty he is and one of them is just a fat kid who's really aware that he's the fat kid and like the kind of wounded ego thing that only kids can get in that particular moment is really well expressed and there's another one of those dynamics in wild america which is about two teenage girls who grew up together as children and loved each other and then 
they both hit puberty in different ways. So we're following the character of Janie, who's incredibly jealous about her sort of chic, cool, sex-having, like, ballerina cousin. And there's quite a lot of it in Retreat, which is about these two grown-up brothers. The one we follow most closely is is Matthew. And uh, the opening line, I'll read to you. Hold on. It's just an amazing opening line. You're immediately in. He goes, sometimes, sometimes, after six or so large drinks, it seems like a sane idea to call my little brother on the phone. And like straight away from there, you're in. And you know a lot about the family dynamic already. And you you are primed for this amazing, slithering, jealous relationship between the two brothers. But what's really funny is Matthew is still mad at his brother for two very small childhood slights. He like pushed him over at a party once and he, he fell in a lake. And like he kissed a girl that he liked. And all of these things happened like 25, 30 years ago. And Matthew was still holding on to these little poisonous jewels of uh, of hatred towards his brother. And when his brother finally turns up, Matthew's become a really successful real estate magnate. He's sort of bought a mountain in the middle of Appalachia and he's trying to turn it into this sort of man camp style camping retreat. And his brother turns up and he's this sort of balding loser. He's never done anything with his life. He's still renting. He thought he'd be this great musician and all he's doing is sort of teaching kids their scales. And he turns up as this deflated sort of typical loser whose life has has never gone anywhere. And Matthew still hates him for pushing him over at a party. And it becomes this really great like push-pull dynamic between two adult brothers who can never quite escape that sibling-y thing to try and get a point over the other person. And they hate seeing the other get anything good that they they would possibly cover. So he watches his brother interact with his only friend, George, and he gets like seethingly jealous just to see them get on and be like easily companionable. And they all go hunting together and he hates the fact that like his brother Stephen like spots a bit of deer shit before he does. And it's always very tiny, minor little slights, but they just become so much more delicious when you poke it into an old embattled sibling rivalry. The other thing he does really well is is full grown adults who feel a high spike moment of embarrassment or humiliation that no one else sees, but they feel as this huge balloon in their chest. And it always leads to a really funny moment. They're always breaking something in in a barely contained rage. So over the course of the book, a fish tank gets broken. Someone punches a steering wheel hard enough to hurt their hand, but not hard enough to set off the horn, which makes me laugh really hard. And... Oh, they punch a bunk bed. <laughs> they get mad at a bunk bed and attack it with a pen knife. And I just think it's funny that he keeps sprinkling these perfect succulent little moments of barely contained rage quite soon after someone's experienced a very slight moment of humiliation, which just feels very deliciously human and very real and, and very, very close to how I feel almost all the time. So my two favourite stories in this, and, and they are all great, but my two favourite are Retreat, 
which I just spoke about, and everything ravaged, everything burned, the titular story. And I think what I like about Retreat and the reason I sort of passed it around the plane is both stories access this very niche sort of enclave of masculinity. And it's, it's possibly related to the fact that Wells Tower, when this came out, he was the exact same age I am now. So maybe we're just accessing similar moments in our manhoods. But what I loved about Retreat was me and my friend James, who, who was next to me on the plane, have often talked in this very fantastical way about what like an ideal man camp would look like, like how good it'd be to go to some camping escape and like build a fire and whittle or do things that feel really good, like throw a tennis ball and just catch it one-handed, like really strange, simple things like that that appeal to something very primitive within male psyche. And that is actually the great idea of Matthew in Retreat. He's bought this mountain and he wants to break it all up into acres and sell it to men in cities who sort of lost their manhood and they want to reclaim it with the outdoor arts and building a homestead and getting a bit dirty and throwing a hammer around. But it's a very doomed idea in retreat. It all falls apart. And I kind of think that's similar to how anything would happen in real life if I completely abandoned my life because I just feel like I really need to go find myself by camping and and owning a, a leather pair of trousers, then obviously everything would fall apart and I'd end up having a psychic break. But part of the fantasy is just sort of thinking that you can. And I like that idea as it sort of beats throughout retreat, the idea that there's this old sibling rivalry and both of them are losers in their own way, but they do sort of both suspect that if they build a really good porch on a mountain, then maybe for once they'll both be mentally well forever. And um, the second story I love the most is, is actually the most divisive in the collection, I find. It's the one that people either love or hate, and I absolutely adore it. It's everything ravaged, everything burned. And it's about <laughs> Vikings going on a, a pillaging spree around uh, Linda's farm. But it's like their last hurrah. It's almost like a stag deer. One of the things I like is it's just really couched in very modern language and very modern ideas of how people talk and interact with each other you know they come down and call each other brother and stuff like that and it just sort of feels like it could be dialogue from today or it could be dialogue from 800 years ago and i do quite like how modern and silly it feels in what is essentially a period piece but yeah they go on this pillage to Linda's farm because they're all mad that they think a monk has cursed their farmlands and when they turn up there's nothing really there to pillage and nothing really there to kill and it's it's this kind of situation where they've got all revved up and then sort of blue balled themselves so they pillage what's there but they sit in the ashes of Linda's farm and sort of all have this realisation that maybe this particular era of their life is over and maybe it's time to settle down and homestead with their common-law wives and grow some crops and tend to some sheep and, and settle down. <laughs> and I think it's really funny that this story, which is set in the middle of a Viking rampage, can kind of chime a note with a particular moment in life I'm at now. You know, I'm 36. and just watched one friend get married last year and one friend get married this month. And 
And I do sort of think like, yeah, I do wonder how many pillages I have left in me. Obviously zero and it's always been zero, but it's just a really funny note to, to end a story about like setting fire to a, to a church um, with this, this sort of philosophical uh, reflection on manhood. All right, so that's Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned, a modern masterpiece of short storytelling. Give it to everyone you know. Um, next week, I'm going to be coming back with Eat, Pray, Love. So get ready for that. See ya. Hello. Um, we just realised uh, long after recording this episode that we did actually give Everything Ravaged a rating. So I'm doing it now uh, on the way back from my audiobook record at the worst tube station in London, I believe, which is Queen's Park. Um, yeah, uh, I think we're going to give it a turn, just a hard turn, no messing. Great. See you next week. Bye. Oh, yeah. Bye. Get the audiobook. Yeah. Pre-order. Never go to Queen's Park. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.